Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. I've been blessed being here already this morning. So I've decided to, to at least take a break. I don't know if I'll get back into Romans, but at least take a break from Romans for a bit um, and, and just simply spend the next while looking at, at subjects that are relevant for us today, maybe things that have come up or things I've had questions about over the years. Um, and so today, or, or something I have been thinking about quite a while is, is prophecy prophesying, being a prophet. Um, what is prophecy? What does it mean to prophesy? What is the intent of this? What is this gift of prophecy that, that some that receive, when they receive the Holy Spirit, receive? What is that? And I don't know how it is for you, but I know for me, and I'm not sure what the reason is, maybe lack of understanding maybe because of, of seeing misuse of it, but I've simply shied away from, from prophecy in general. Um, maybe kind of viewed it as not something for us today, and, and that's probably because of misuse or, or maybe lack of understanding. Um, but, but in 1 Thessalonians 5.20, Paul tells us, despise not prophesyings. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, a lot of that passage talks about prophecy. He says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather, or especially, that ye may prophesy. What do we make of this? And this is simply my attempt to look at the Bible and understand how we ought to think about prophecy today and prophesying and, and this gift of prophecy how, how should a prophet practice his gift today? Um, I pretty quickly realized, getting into this, that there's more than I can do in one message, significantly more. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do it in two. That's the goal. And today, we're going to look at, at Old Testament prophecy and prophets and things they prophesied and, and just kind of look at I'm not going to spend a lot of time looking at specific prophecies, but more so at the themes that come through, what their message was, some types of prophets, um, characteristics of the prophets, and, and try to get a better understanding, maybe, maybe build a foundation a little bit for how we ought to think of prophecy, and then the next time, and then the next time, and what, how that plays out today. The Old Testament prophecy is, is the subject today. And I... Admit, I, I have... Sorry, I was not planning on... <clears throat> In this study, I, I gained a, really, a new appreciation for for prophecy, and specifically Old Testament prophecy. That's where I was spending most of my time the last days or weeks. And, and I told my wife last night, I don't think I could ever get done. I was actually enjoying it, and, and that's been a new thing for me. And so I, I try to pass on my appreciation for it. Um, I know it ten, tends to be something that we, we don't enjoy. Um, but you see, ever since, ever since the disobedience or fall of man, you see... So there was a relationship severed, 
and you see God working this, this beautiful plan to, to bring back or to redeem his people back to himself, bring us into fellowship with himself. And, and one of the ways he's communicated that or spoken that, showed us that plan is through prophets all through history um, and through, through the Bible. So I've broken today's message into three parts. Um, we're going to look at types of prophets. We're going to look at what made someone a prophet. And we're going to look at the message the prophets shared. Now, I'm going to try to do this thing of a PowerPoint without it being distracting. So give me some grace there. <clears throat> so types of prophets. Um, Maybe you can think of more. I, I, I found four types in the, in the Old Testament. There may be more than this. The first one I'm going to call, is that big enough? Yes, it is. Good. I'm going to call a quiet prophet. A quiet prophet. What is a quiet prophet? It's a prophet that is not necessarily known for his words, but his life is a prophecy or prophesies of God's plan of redemption. An example of this is Abraham. And yes, God calls him a prophet in Genesis 20, verse 7 there. He's called a prophet by God. But he isn't necessarily known for his words. He's known for his life. Um, his faith and obedience is what he's known for. Um, his life, he lived a prophetic life that called or pointed people back to God. That's a quiet prophet. That's what I call a quiet prophet. Maybe, maybe there's a more official term for that. <clears throat> another, another type of prophet that we see is, is an intermediary or, or someone who mediates truth, goes between God and man. And, and Moses is an example of that, along with some others. But Moses is the primary example of that. And you see him giving from God, giving Israel the covenant. God, through Moses, gave Israel yeah, the covenant. They gave him the law. What we, what we now call the Old Covenant, but that was the law at the time. It was the covenant. Uh, Deuteronomy 34, there's, I think there's two or three verses there that, that, that actually say that, that Moses was the greatest prophet of, of the Old Testament. I think that's my words, Old Testament, but it talks about him being the greatest prophet. No prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, who, knew, who the Lord knew face to face. He was the the great prophet. He gave God's laws. He gave God's covenant. Um, and, and the passage that, that Paul read on Deuteronomy 18 there informs us of what a true prophet ought to be. And I have a lot of, I have a lot of references today, but for sake of time, we're only going to turn to a few. Um, I quickly realized there's more to go through than we can go through. So feel free to to look up references or write them down for later. But yeah, Deuteronomy, it talks about what a prophet ought to be, especially the latter part of that passage. And Moses filled that role as, as I think you'd call him the first prophet that filled that role. But he also foreshadowed something. He foreshadowed a greater prophet that was to come. Um, and that would again do what? Deliver his people? And would also, again, give us a covenant, what we call the new covenant today. And Moses was a foreshadowing of that. <clears throat> the third type of prophet that, that I see is, is what I call a teacher or a preacher. 
Um, and there was a number of men that filled this role. Um, an example I have is Samuel, who simply instructed or counseled Saul. And, and I think part of, would have been part of David's life, I guess, as well. In some capacity, he would have instructed David and counseled David, specifically on how to obey the Lord, obey his covenant. He would have also rebuked, rebuked especially Saul, when he did disobey God's commands. I think I can say from what from reading through Samuel, it feels like one of his primary functions as a prophet was to teach and preach the covenant, what was already been given. And you don't see him giving new commands or adding to the covenant, but simply retelling or re-speaking God's word. And that is the, the prophet, the type that is a teacher or a preacher. Another prophet, and, and I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm stretching with this one, but, but I, couldn't, I couldn't pull this one out, because as reading through David, he, he's a type of prophet, and he was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. And, and, and actually, Peter calls him a prophet in Acts, I think it's Acts 2.30 there, he, he is called a prophet. Uh, but you see him all through the Psalms, or the Psalms that he writes, pointing people to Jesus through his worship, or, or that's how it seems. It almost seems as if at times, it, um, I don't know if you can say he got lost in the awe and glory of God. He writes it down, and, and he prophesies in that way. He writes incredible Psalms and songs and whatever they called him at that time. And, and throughout his writings, you see divine inspiration, something that you could say insight or knowledge that goes beyond man's natural ability. He was a worshiper. It's another type of a prophet. There's another type of prophet mentioned all through the Old Testament. And this is a false prophet. There's a lot of warnings about false prophets something they dealt with since the beginning of time, false prophets. And all through Israel's history, you see these men or these prophets leading Israel astray, leading them into all kinds of idolatry, all kinds of other gods. And, and often their message was, was easy, and, and maybe at times it was exciting to the, to the carnal, ungodly person. And you see people following after again and again. A um, number of places in, in the Old Testament you see false prophets prophesying peace and safety. They, they, were, they had a good message. It was, it was palatable. It was easy to take. And God, God was warning. He was saying, there's coming destruction. You're living in sin. But the false prophets were saying, it's, it's all good. It was, it was exciting. It was easy to hear. Ezekiel 13, let's actually turn there. Ezekiel 13 is a really interesting passage. <clears throat> One of the examples of, of false prophets. Um, yeah, let me just read a few of these verses. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel, 
that prophesy and say, and say thou unto them, that prophecy out of their own hearts. That, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say, unto, and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. They have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. That day of the Lord is often just speaking of judgment. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord hath said, and the Lord hath not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have you not seen a vain, have you not seen a vain vision? And have you not spoken a lying divination? Whereas ye say, The Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. These prophets were claiming to hear from God. And, and they might have actually been hearing things. I'm not saying it was from God. Actually, it wasn't from God. But they may have been hearing things or seeing divinations. But it wasn't from God. And that's very clear in this passage. And, and God is against. God is very clearly against them. Verse 3 actually says, These men were following after their own spirit. It, it, was, it was something that was deception, honestly. And maybe, maybe someone, you know, maybe there was a greater power that controlled their spirit. They may have been deceived by, by Satan, and they were following their own spirit. Um, scary place to be. That's a false prophet. God gives a lot of solemn warnings to those pretending to speak on his behalf. Deuteronomy 18, again, going back to the passage Paul read, one of the signs that a prophet was a false prophet was that what they said did not come to pass, and that was one of the, the signs. And that kind of prophet was to be put to death. It was a very serious judgment for, for a false prophet. You see in Deuteronomy 13, this is through verses, this is one to five there, that it, I think maybe I might be wrote that down wrong, but I think it says, even if a prophet sees visions and does wonders, even if they do that, and he seeks to lead people away from God, he's a false prophet. How did they know what was leading away from God? It based off the covenant. It was what Moses had already given to him. And, and it was very clear that if, if someone was leading away from the covenant, even if he could do signs and wonders, he was a false prophet. He was a false prophet. False prophets were to be put to death, and it mentions that again in Deuteronomy 13. We, we do well to recognize that not all visions and wonders come from God. Um, let's be careful in thinking that because a man can do signs and wonders or say amazing things that he's from God. 
you see, you see Pharaoh, his magicians did all kinds of things. They were Satan worshipers, quite, quite honestly. They were Satan worshipers. And Moses, when Moses had his interactions with Pharaoh, different times the magicians would do these things. And the scribes and Pharisees actually, I think they understood this because they actually accused Jesus of doing this. And they said when he was doing miracles, I think he was casting out demons at that time. He just, they said, he's doing it by the prince of demons. They understood that there's, there's another power. These things are not always of God. And I, I don't mean to say that there's another power equal to God. But there is other, there, there is, Satan is a, a powerful angel or demon. A true prophet will always lead people back into obedience. Back to the word of God, back to the covenant, and never away from it. No matter how amazing their works or their words are, they, if, if, they, if, they are if they are not leading back to the God's word and back to the covenant, I think, I think we can say they are a false prophet. What made someone <clears throat> a true prophet? Now, I'm talking Old Testament time here. Um, there's, there's a Hebrew word that's often used in the Old Testament for prophet. It's, I think I'm going to, nabe, I'm not trying to say exactly right, but something. And it basically just means one called. Um, it's, it's someone that has a special commission directly from God. And that is what a true prophet was. Anyone else was simply not a true prophet. It's one who foretells, and you could say forthtells what God has commanded. Second Peter 1.21 is Peter talking about, about this, and he's talking about old-time prophets. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man. It wasn't something I decide. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It's a God-ordained thing is what, what makes a true prophet. Deuteronomy 18, back to the passage Paul read. Um, and you can actually turn there if you want. We can, we're going to look at, just, look at it just briefly. One of these things that you notice um, is, is that the, the true prophets in the Old Testament, when they were ordained by God, the ordination or the anointing or whatever came from God, and, at, and then they simply viewed themselves as channels. Um, it wasn't anything original that they were saying. They viewed themselves as channels which, through which God could speak. And you see this in every one of the prophets' writings. I'm pretty sure I can say that. But just an example, Isaiah 6, Jeremiah 1, Ezekiel 2, Hosea 1, 2, Amos 7, 14 and 15, and Jonah, and the list goes on and on and on. Where they, they make reference to God told me to say this. And it was very clearly God-ordained. And that is what a true prophet is, is simply speaking what God has ordained them to speak. And, and if someone took, I should have wrote the reference down, but there's a, there's a reference to this. Oh, it is, in Jeremiah 14. If somebody took upon them the office of a prophet, that was an automatic disqualification to being a true prophet. They were not a true prophet if they took upon themselves the office. 
Back to Deuteronomy 18 here. There's a, a list of, <clears throat> of things that it, it just says. This was, this was given to, to Israel from God through Moses to Israel on, on what it was kind of the, the criteria of what a prophet ought to be. Um, a true prophet is ordained or raised up by God. And you see that in verse 15. I'm, I'm looking at Deuteronomy 18 here. A true prophet will be chosen by God from among the midst of his people. It's verse 18. Um, a true prophet will speak the words God puts in his mouth. That's verse 18 again. A true prophet speaks in the name of the Lord. In verse 22, you see that. And a true prophet will be known through the fulfillment of his message. And this was the qualification, or this was kind of the, what Israel was supposed to base a true prophet off of. And for, for all of history, I think that that was their criteria. And what's so interesting, and I'm reading this, and actually I think it was in my Bible, I didn't make the connection, but there's the connection to, to Acts 3.23, where Peter stands up and uses this passage in defense of Jesus and said he is the prophet. He is the prophet. And so Moses filled this role initially, but he was a type of the prophet to come, Jesus Christ. And you see that all through Old Testament prophecy. It's beautiful. You can never get done making the connections. <clears throat> just a few characteristics of, of a true prophet. And this is just things that, that as reading through the prophets, I've never done that before, but in a very short span of time, reading through all the prophets. And this is some things that, that I took note of or jump, jumped out at me about just some characteristics, I think. And there's probably many more. In fact, when I'm done with this list, maybe you have a few to add to this. Characteristics of a true prophet. Um, they, they teached and they preached the law. Every single one of them. That was the, that was the, the core of their message. Did not prophesy for material gain. Willingness to suffer for truth. Um, in fact, most times being a prophet meant rejection, persecution, imprisonment, killed, on and on and on. All of them, uh, I think I'm right in saying all of them warned of God's judgment at some point. Did not take advantage of the poor. Um, majority of the prophets speak against this actually, very specifically speak against taking advantage of the poor. And they led holy or what I call set apart lives. This is just some characteristics. Maybe there's a few others that, that you think of when you think of the prophets, characteristics of true prophets. Anybody? Another thing I, I, I just thought of actually is you see, you see every one of the prophets I shouldn't say everyone, but it feels like most of the, the prophets followed God faithfully, even when they didn't hear from him. So we have this tendency to think that, that, these pro that God spoke to these prophets a lot. And that's not actually, if you read through, most times these prophets got a word or two from the Lord, where I'm talking a specific word from the Lord. Um, and um, I just have a few examples of men 
that, that you tend to think of God spoke to a lot, and it wasn't that many times. Noah was five times, and this is at least what we have recorded, five times in 900 years. Abraham is eight times in 175, or about 175 years. Isaac is two times. Rebecca is one time in 180-some years. That's, that's a lot of time in between, hearing from God. And yet, every one of these, and, and you, this is consistent all the way through um, what we call the prophets in the Old Testament, every one of them faithfully served and obeyed in between. It wasn't, I hear a word from the Lord and I'm going to obey this, and then the rest of my life is, it, they faithfully served all the way through. Years of not hearing from God. They obeyed what they did know, which for most of them, maybe not Noah and them, but for most of them, it, was, it wasn't this, but it was the old covenant. It was the word Moses had written down. <clears throat> Let's look at uh, the prophet's message, that some of the things about, uh, about the prophet's message is... Um, so something I... <clears throat> And maybe this, is, this was my notion. But I always had the tendency to think of prophets as mostly foretelling. Mostly foretelling. And reading through, I, I ran across the opposite. They're mostly forthtelling or telling forth truth. What's already been given. Um, in fact, the majority of Old Testament prophecy is, pro is, basically, it, is basically them calling Israel to be faithful to God's law, what's already been given, and, and simply telling forth that truth. Moses, as the, the prophet of the Old Testament, um, he, he wrote the covenant, and most of his prophecy is, is simply God's laws and covenants, and that was the focus of his work, the work that Moses was called to. In fact, in Deuteronomy 4, you see the main thrust of Moses' prophecy, or I'm going to call it prophecy, but his work was simply to enable Israel to know and to fear God. And you see that all through. Deuteronomy 4 specifically brings that out. And, and he instructs them how to faithfully serve God. And, and this theme is consistent all through the Old Testament prophets. I think I'm getting ahead of myself, sorry. <laughs> you see all, the, all these prophets, all the Old Testament's prophets simply called the people back to that law that Moses had already shared, back into obedience, back into to the covenant, you could say. And... And according to inspiration or according to anointing of God, you see these prophets retelling the covenant again and again and again. Sometimes read through the prophets with that in the back of your mind, and you'll be surprised how many times you hear something. It's reworded, but it's simply the covenant being retold. Re Most of it. And it's not all, but majority of it. And it's them retelling and, and making new applications for the people of their time. And that was the rule of the prophets of the Old Testament. 
And they, they, took, they took what I call legal writings, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. They're tough to read through. They remind you of, of legal writings. And they turned them into other forms. You see short form, you see poetic form. Um, there's maybe others in there as well. And, and they used all kinds of uh, imagery and allegories and stuff to, to basically retell the covenant and what, was, what God was going to judge them for if they, if they disobeyed. And Hosea 4.2 is just one example among many, many, many verses of this. If you want to turn there, you're welcome to. Hosea 4.2 in, in one verse uses six of the Ten Commandments. Six of them. And it's in a short form there. He just simply lists them. He's not giving a new law. He's not giving a new judgment. He is, he is simply retelling what has already been given to him by Moses. <clears throat> and there's, again, I said this already, but there's hundreds of these kinds of references pointing back, pointing back to what God gave Moses, the, the, the Old Covenant. And it's also this way um, in, in the warnings and the blessings given as well. Most of the warnings and the blessings given to the people, you know, if they disobey or if they, if they um, keep sinning, are also, many of them are not original with the prophets. Um, there would be a number, but a lot of them also point back to Deuteronomy 4 where God lays it out and says, if you don't follow me, these are the things that will happen to you. If you follow me, these are the blessings that will follow. And, and you see the prophets just retelling that. Different forms, um, and, and there is times that God gives specific application to that instance, but a lot of the times it's retelling what's already been given. And, and you, do see, you do see a lot of revelation, specific revelation to the prophets. But, and I should, have, I should have kept track of the times that it wasn't. Very few. Where God revealed something to a prophet besides something about sin or about judgment. Very few. Um, and, and Nathan is, is an example of that. You do see him, God revealing to Nathan that David sinned. And Nathan goes and tells him, says, you sinned. You, tells him the story of the, the two men. The one had many sheep, the other didn't. And, and uses that allegory to speak to David. But God revealed that to him, that instance. And, and you see a lot of that kind of revelation, but most of the revelation is that, that kind. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting stuff. I... I uh, I, I couldn't get done. I couldn't get done. <laughs> Just a, maybe an overview here of, of the prophet's message or work. Um, to record the word of God in the Holy Scriptures. You see that in Exodus 34. Jeremiah also says, write these things down um, for future generations. To reveal the nature and attributes of God to men. Moses did that, giving the covenant to make known to men the laws of God. And again, Moses did that. You see, Deuteronomy 4 and 5 are, are specifically, that, that's where that is first done very clearly for, for future generations. Call people back to obedience to the laws of God. Second Chronicles is an example of that. Exhort people to sincerity in worship. And Jeremiah does that again and again. 
chapter 7 there is, is a, uh, an example of that. The warn of judgment upon sin. And, and these warnings are often, or are both, personal and, and national as well. To foretell future events that God would bring about. And, and, and to foretell of the coming of the Messiah. And this is, again, I, I might have missed some, but this is just some of the things that I feel like are key points of what their message or their work was all about. <clears throat> just some things in, in, in overview of, of all this. Um, one thing I, I'm not, I, I didn't get into really, um, I did just briefly, but was, the, you know, you see the, the, the time periods of the foretelling, when prophets did foretell and, and prophesy about future things, things to come. Um, it is fascinating. You, you see, I would call it three main time periods, the, the now, or prophecies that came to pass very soon. Then you see prophecies that came to pass with Jesus coming and the new covenant. And then you have prophecies that also go beyond, and, and we're talking end times. But often, even in those prophecies that talk about the end, they had something for Israel right then as well. And that's fasc that was fascinating to me. Um, a lot of those future telling was, was also a message for Israel right here and right now. And, and I, would, I would counter, I know some people would say that you, the, the prophecies are, are hard to understand and the prophets might not have understood them. I would tend to believe they did. Maybe not every detail, but that they, they knew what they were speaking and the people could understand. Um, I don't think God speaks in ways that are beyond or are confusing to us. Um, I've made mention to this, but the message of the prophets is, is usually one of warning. Um, in fact, the opposite is true of false prophets. It's usually one of peace and safety. I find that interesting. The message of a prophet, of the prophets, the true prophets, was generally one of warning. But, but there's also, in, in those warnings, this is again and again and again, there's this ray of hope. There's, there's always but or if. Um, and there's, there's, there's those that choose to obey or to repent, and there's hope for them. And one of those hopes or comforts that you see for God's people was prophecies about the Messiah. And you see Israel looking forward to that for many years and generations, looking forward to that, clinging to that hope. And, and there, was, there, was, yeah, there was an excitement about when that would be. And now today, we're not looking for that anymore, are we? But we have another hope. And... And we can look forward to his second coming, which, which I'm going to call the ultimate redemption. That's the final redemption. Amen. And, and that should excite us. That should bring us hope. But there's, there's also an element. And, yeah, there's also an element that should sober us. This, this should sober us, his co second coming. He said very clearly, when he comes again, he will judge sin and he will judge wickedness, unrighteousness, and and the world, and on and on. There's, there's a, a day of judgment. There's a day of judgment coming. Many, many passages throughout the New Testament talk of that day coming. And, and it's often in a form of warning, 
often is a form of warning. <clears throat> but it's also, for those of us who are, who are following God, it's, there's excitement because he is preparing wonderful things for us. And 1 Corinthians speaks of that. For those who love him, 1 Corinthians 2.9, he's preparing wonderful things. And we know from, from looking through the Old Testament, well, we know God's the author of prophecy, but we know he's faithful. And he always, always brings it to pass. That has been consistent, and I don't see any reason for that to ever change. <clears throat> what is the main reason or purpose for prophecy. And this is my own words, um, and so it could have probably been done a lot more eloquently. But I, I think it, if, I, if I sum up the, the, the overview of, of prophecy, I, I really think the main theme and intent of prophecy, or the prophets and their message, was to bring people back into fellowship with God. Bring them back. And that was the goal, it was the aim, it was the motive through which prophets prophesied. And, and it's done through, it was, in the Old Testament, it was done through giving of his law, or what I'm going to call the Old Covenant. It was done through warning, judgment of sin, warning of the judgment of sin. It was done through a call to repentance, and at times, revelation of God's plan to redeem man. There was an element of a future, and and that, should, that, that was all done with the motive of bringing back, bringing us back. Just some uh, things to maybe get us stirred up or thinking um, for, for the, next, the next message I'm going to spend looking at New Testament prophecy and passages on prophecy and what a New Testament prophet ought to be. And, and some questions I want you to think about. Um, I hesitated doing this because maybe, maybe when I study it and get into it, we're going to go a different direction. But, but I think this, this, is, this will spur maybe some of the points with which we'll base some of the things that will, some of the, maybe the questions we'll intend to answer. What did Moses, the prophet, foreshadow about Jesus that affects how we should view prophecy today? And now I'm talking New Testament prophecy. Moses foreshadowed someone. How does that affect we, how we view prophecy today? Maybe that's a vague question, but you're welcome to ask me about it or, or dig into it. There's a lot there. What should the prophet's message be today? What are the characteristics of a true prophet today? And, and how do we know false prophets today? With that, let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Actually, let's kneel for prayer.